other word and hasn't changed, but that's not true. The church is as bad, I'm talking about the church generally, is as bad and in some cases worse than the world. Right? The church has bought into it and it has, uh, it has become so, in some places worse. Now there's one character in this picture that really, he's called the, 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 the father of the sexual revolution. And his writing changed society forever. And I'm going to look at him briefly tonight because as Julie says, uh, he is sickening. <clears throat> now, uh, he is regarded as one of the greats by many. But he is sickening, and we'll look at that. And then we're going to look at what the Bible says about morality. And um, we'll go through the verses that, <clears throat> that, that, that speak to morality. And I have a question for you. Right? And my question is going to be this. Why do you think our world went with Kinsey? Why do we go with Kinsey? Right? So, <clears throat> um, let's have a word of prayer. Let, let's first of all read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Right? Not all. 1 Corinthians 6, we're reading from verse 16. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. <clears throat> Do you realize that makes sexual sin different to every other sin? It's different to all other sins. God God made it different, right? So if God makes it different to every other sin, do you think the enemy's going to go after humanity in that area? Well, of course he is. He knows it's different. He knows it's damaging. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's pray. Father, bless us now tonight as we look to your word. Lord, help us. <clears throat> Lord, our society is in a mess, Lord. It's imbibed lies and deception that's uh, destroying it. Lord, help us to be wise, though. Help us as your children, Lord, to lay hold upon truth, uh, to take it into our hearts, and to live with it as the reality of our lives, and not, Lord, with the lies that the world imbibes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> By the way, uh, I've spent most of today uh, looking at this, guy, this guy's teachings and so on. He, it is vile. I'm not going to show you all the vileness of it. If you, if, you want to, if you want to actually find out how bad he is, there's lots of documentaries about him. Uh, and um, <clears throat> that what they're doing is they're just, they're just straightforward documentaries telling you what he taught and so on and how, how bad. Uh, he's called the father of the sexual revolution. He could well have been called the father of pedophilia because he actually pushed it. And I think, I, I don't know how we can actually quantify how much of the pedophilia that we're dealing with in our society now he actually authored because he made it okay. I'm not going to deal with that tonight, uh, but there's lots of stuff out there on it. Uh, we're going to deal with just the fact of, of him coming across as the father of the uh, sexual revolution, right? So we're dealing with morality. Uh, Alfred P. Kinsey. On January the 5th, 1948, a bomb was dropped on America. Indiana University zoologist Alfred C. Kinsey released his book, uh, Sexual Behavior in the Human Male. Today, more than five decades later, six now, uh, Kinsey is universally referred to as the father of the sexual revolution. Now, <clears throat> they actually def quantify our society in pre-Kinsey and after Kinsey. What happened before him and what happened on, uh, in the Western culture 
before Kinsey was completely different to what happened after uh, after he wrote his book and his book was accepted. He wrote a second one about women uh, as well. And um, <coughs> we'll give you some of, some of the stuff he said about it here. What exactly did Kinsey's research, research reveal? Funded by the prestigious Rockefeller Foundation and based on thousands of interviews, Kinsey had discovered that while American men of the World War II's greatest generation pretended to be faithful and monogamous, virtually all of them, 95% were according to 1948's law, sex offenders. Right? Now, what he did was, uh, he did interviews. They say he did 20,000 interviews. That was, that was his plan. He was going to do 20,000 interviews with regular people, and he came to the conclusion that according to the laws of his day, 95% of the men in America were sex offenders. They were breaking the laws. There were all kinds of laws that they were breaking. And <clears throat> he goes on to say to show these things. 85% of males had intercourse prior to marriage. 70% had sex with prostitutes. 30 to 45% of husbands had extramarital affairs. Between 10 and 37% of men had engaged in homosexual acts. Now, let me just bring those figures. This is 1948, pre-48. Right? We look at our society today and we say, you know what, those figures might be right. And some of them might be right today. But they weren't right then. They were completely wrong. Here's what he did. Uh, he found it very hard to find people, ordinary people, uh, to get them to talk about their experiences and so on. So what he did was he based most of his findings on a prison population. In fact, uh, pedophiles played a huge part in the figures that he, that he gave, and he has some horrific uh, research and study in it. And pedophiles were very much involved in it, and all kinds of deviants got involved uh, in answering his questions for, for him. And so here hits the figures he came up with. Now, the reality today is probably close to those figures in some of those areas. Now, what's happened is he told this is the way it is, and he was an agitator for changing laws. He set about doing that, and ultimately what happened was he ended up affecting not just America, by the way. He traveled in Europe and advised lawmakers. He was a huge character in his day. I mean, huge. Um, and uh, he succeeded in putting forward an idea that was not true at all. Now, you see the last one there, 10 to 37%? That has been disproven by every, uh, <clears throat> every statistic that's come out since. It's between 1 and 3% of the population. But he has it down at 10 to 37%. Do you know that <clears throat> his book... Uh, spawned what we're dealing with today in, in terms of homosexual marriage. His book actually spawned it, and, and um, a guy called Harry Hay read his book, left his wife and family, and started the gay rights movement. Uh, based on those figures. And we were told for years and years and years it was 10%, but then it was proven that's not true at all. It's not 10%. Uh, it's between 1% and 3%. Now, you know what's going to happen, though? This law, if they bring this law in, what we're going to find is we're going to find in the future that it will be true. 10% will be true. Because what's going to happen is it's going to be a recruiting agent uh, for uh, homosexuality. So th th this is Kinsey. This is what he brought. Now let's look at some more stuff about him. Despite the radical nature of Kinsey's fighting, findings, he was honored as a heroic scientific pioneer, pushing back the dark boundaries of ignorance and delivering new knowledge that would guide America into, in a brave new world. He was embraced by everybody. He was on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, the New York Times ran articles about him. Everybody embraced him. He became a celebrity in his day. He traveled the world. 
uh, with his teachings and, <coughs> and telling about his teachings. Uh, biographer Jones revealed in 1997, the man I came to know bore no resemblance to the can canonic canonical Kinsey. Now here's what they portrayed Kinsey as. He was a scientist, he was a nice family man, and um, <coughs> this was just something that he ended up uh, having a burden for and doing. That was not who the man was at all. Uh, he was anything but disinterested. He approached his work with missionary fervor. He wanted to undermine traditional morality to soften the rules of restraint. Kinsey was a crypto reformer who spent his every waking hour attempting to change the sexual mores and sex offender laws of the United States. He was a deviant himself. I'm not going to go into how he was DVD. Look it up for yourself. But he was a wicked man himself. And he had a plan. And he wrote a book. And society swallowed it whole. And he changed society with his book. Uh, the implicit message regarding sexuality coming from the secular worldview is this. If your activity is consensual, why should you be compelled to refrain from indulging whatever your sexual desires are, Whatever you, whenever you wish, regardless of how abnormal or strange those desires may seem to others, as long as you don't hurt little children and confine your behavior to consenting adults, there is nothing immoral, unethical, wrong, or forbidden in doing whatever you want with whomever you want. Isn't that our society's attitude? Kinsey was a key part to it. Kinsey was actually the one uh, that brought it about, that actually uh, <clears throat> got that pursued that, pushed that, and had that promoted in society. And our society swallowed it because of Kinsey. Now, <clears throat> just, just to say a few more things about him, not detailed or anything, Kinsey was a deviant himself. Pretty clearly he was a deviant himself, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is his science or his statistics are, listen, they are hugely suspect. He, has, he put stuff in... Uh, he put stuff in about pedophilia uh, and cast it as science and wasn't picked up so much later on. So he was, he was a wicked man uh, to the core. There's lots of stuff. Julia, uh, Julia you probably watched the BBC uh, documentary about him. Yeah. Okay. But what's happened is we're left today with the reality of what he spawned. And see that statement I've just read there? <clears throat> Let me go through it again. The implicit message regarding sexuality coming from the secular worldview is this. If your activity is consensual, consensual, why should you be compelled to refrain from indulging whatever your sexual desires are when it, whenever you wish, regardless of how abnormal or strange those desires may seem to others? As long as you don't hurt little children and confine your behavior to consenting adults, there's nothing immoral, unethical, wrong, or forbidden in doing whatever you want with whoever you want. Do you know what happens for us there? We read that, and we know as Christians it's wrong, but inside we say, well, what's wrong with that? That's how, how well he's actually pushed this agenda and how much a part of our society has become. We have, we have bought into the lie that as long as it doesn't hurt anyone, it's okay. Isn't that what we're being asked to buy into as far as the um, <clears throat> gay marriage thing is concerned? As long as it's between consenting adults, what have we got to say about it? It's fine. And all of it comes from this, and all of it comes from a change in thinking. Now remember the thing, he couldn't have done this without Darren. And they couldn't have done, Darwin couldn't have, uh, and he couldn't have done it without humanism coming in first. 
But with those two pillars in for him, he was able to take and spawn wickedness in our society. He bought it, and we're living with it, living with the reality of it. You know, we've, we've, we've just bought into it completely. Now, <clears throat> I could stop at this next slide, and we could say it's over, right? What does God say? Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Now, put the big black line between it there uh, very carefully. Uh, to some extent, the church had played a part in it, because before Kinsey, nobody mentioned sex. Uh, it was just something that was bad. It was something that you didn't talk about. It was something that was unthinkable. And what the Bible said about sex was not mentioned at all. Now, it's important for us that we actually talk about it. It's important for parents that they talk to their kids about it. Because other people are talking to your kids. Your kids are seeing it. Your kids are hearing about it. It's important that you talk to them about it. Uh, that you actually bring these things up with them. And, uh, and um, at, the, you know, at the age and the level that they're able for it, but that you actually talk to them and go through it. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is they're going to get a skewed view of it from the world. Let me ask you this. Is God for sex? Very much. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. God, has said, God says it's an honorable thing. God says it's a good thing. God says it's a holy thing, if you like. Right? But it's in marriage, and in marriage only. And then he says, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. What does he mean? Whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. He means that outside of marriage, it's always wrong. Now, we need to actually buy into that. Because that one defeats the whole debate about the gay marriage thing. If we, if we accept that outside of marriage, this thing is completely wrong. It's good inside of marriage, but outside of marriage it's completely wrong. Because we are children of our age and children of our day. We've actually, you know, we've, we've um, imbibed much more of our cultural thinking than we, than we like to think sometimes. So, and we've got to come to the place where we, we understand, now hang on a minute, inside of marriage this is good, but outside of marriage... It is wrong. It is always wrong. Even thinking about it is wrong. But inside of marriage, it is right, it is good, it is proper, it is holy. It is some, something to be thankful for. All right. <clears throat> Myths about sex. First of all, God is anti-sex. Truth, God is so pro-sex, he designed it to provide physical pleasure. Now, by the way, <clears throat> much of the, much, for much of its time, the church has said that no, uh, sex was about procreation. Now, is that true or false? Well, it's true and false, isn't it? Yes, it is, but that's not all it's about. Uh, look, at for, look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man our image after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish, over the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and all, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth over the earth. All right. <clears throat> now, why did God create Eve for Adam? Why did Adam need Eve? 
Okay, so God created marriage. Uh, one of the reasons he created marriage for, uh, he created marriage uh, uh, for companionship. There was to be companionship involved in it, yeah? God created marriage for companionship. But he also created marriage for procreation, and he also created it for intimacy. Look at chapter 2. Um, <clears throat> verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So he created marriage that it would be good and pure and proper, and there was intimacy involved in it as well. So what we're saying here is the myth is that God's against sex. And isn't that something that, that, that you hear? That you can't have any fun because you're a Christian? But no, God's not against it. God's for it, but he's for it in marriage. Only in marriage. Um, and also spiritual object lesson. Look at Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. This cause shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, let me ask you this. <clears throat> is Christ and the church a picture of marriage? Or is marriage a picture of Christ and the church? Which is it? Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. What we've got in the marriage relationship is, we've got something that gives us a picture of the spiritual relationship uh, between Christ and his church. So, so what you've got is you've got something here that, listen, God's not against. God's for. But he's for it in the right circumstances. Let me put it this way to you. I mean, most of you have a fireplace in your house, right? Why do you have a fireplace in your house? Why don't you just light a fire anywhere you like? <laughs> What, what is, the fire, is the fireplace a restriction that means you can only light fires in a certain room and in a certain place of the room? Or is the fireplace something that protects your house from burning down? It's both, isn't it? So what you've got is when God, when God talks about sex and says about it being within marriage, what he's saying is he's saying, listen, it's something that belongs inside of marriage and it's right and proper. And it's, pro it's a protection for us. It's helpful for us that it's inside marriage. Right? It's not something that is um, a restriction. So the, when we buy into God's way, as far as sexuality is concerned, what we're doing is we're buying into a protection in our lives. Now listen, we're a room full of people that have been born in the uh, 20th and 21st century, well, 20th century. Uh, and uh, you know what? We've been affected and impacted by this. Many of us have been damaged by Kinsey. But we, what we need to do as Christians, though, is we need to come to the place where we actually say, now hang on, this is what God meant. God meant to protect me in this area. Right? <clears throat> Second myth about sex, as long as people love each other, sex is okay with God. Did you ever hear that? Did you ever hear that from Christians? Let me see if I can actually find something here real quick for you. Because um, it's a thinking that's very common in our day. Um, 
I read an, an article, I'm, I'm quoting now, uh, in World Magazine describing a panel discussion at a Bible conference about sexuality in the church. One of the participants, a professor from an evangelical school, seemed to be proposing a dangerous form of compromise. It was as if she was saying, it's fine in church to stand up and talk about God's ideal for sexuality and marriage and all the rest, but the fact of the matter is, we know people in their 20s and early 30s are not going to be sexually celibate, so a church... What we need to do is say, yes, there's an ideal, but we need also to provide contraceptives in church uh, so that when people disobey, the damage will be a little bit less. That's very common in churches today. Okay, what we're saying, what they're saying is, the reality is, okay, we know this is God's ideal. We know this is God's plan, but that's not happening. This is the 21st century, it's not happening, so let's provide protection for people. You know, if you say, well, the protection is to be celibate, oh, that's not a protection in this day and age. But that is the protection. The protection is celibacy in this age. And it's always been uh, for the church. Right? <clears throat> now, here's what the Bible says. The Bible prohibits all sexual relationships outside of marriage. Right? Um, Exodus 20:14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Means clear, clear, and as plain as that. Um, Acts 15, verse 29, uh, we're to abstain from fornication. Completely. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 were to flee from sexual immorality. Uh, we should not commit sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 10.8, but among you there uh, is not, we're not even to speak of it in Ephesians 5.3, 3, and it is God's will that we should avoid immorality. Actually, look at that one, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Who's got it there? First Thessalonians five three. Okay, for this is the will of God. Now, <clears throat> when we talk about the will of God, that's pretty important to us, isn't it? But this is the will of God that we abstain from fornication. Uh, that is always His will for us. When we don't, what happens, by the way? Why are we supposed to? We're reading what the Bible says. Why are we supposed to abstain from it? Well, give, give, me some re- give me a reason why we're supposed to stay, abstain from it. Pardon? Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, we could say, too, it's bad for you, couldn't we? Now, the world would have a hard time going with us on that. We might have a hard time actually seeing that, too. But we could say that it's bad for us on the one hand. But you know the real reason is because God says no. That's back to our absolute thinking again. When we come back to the place where we're thinking in terms of what the Bible says and how the Bible says we're to do it. So we've got to have, our absolute thinking says, no, God says it's wrong, therefore we abstain from it. But the reality is, it does do us damage. It always does us damage. Now, <clears throat> children of our age, such as we are, we have to get our heads around that. We have to get our heads to the place where we say, now hang on a minute. It's only within marriage. Right? Now, let me ask you a question. What if two people live together? It's a committed relationship, and they live together. Is it okay then? Now, isn't that a hard one? Because don't you know people that are living together, and they're, they're, they're living like they're married? Right? I could ask you another question. I could ask you who's ever lived with somebody and not married them. <clears throat> that would be a different question altogether. The reality is, until you're married, you're not married. 
until you actually um, put the ring on somebody's finger, until you make the vows publicly and before God, you're not married. And people often walk away from those relationships. So we've got to understand the two people living together is not the same as being married. Two, two people living together comes under the black line, comes in the place of judgment. Now I realize this is the 21st century and so many people do it, but it still comes under the black line. It still is against what God wants. It still is something that God is not pleased with. What about somebody who's getting married, right? And um, they, you know, they're planning on getting married, but for a few months before they get married, they decide they're going to move in together anyway. Well, is that right or is that wrong? Now, come on. Julie's, Julie's, Julie's giving me all the answers here tonight. Is that right or is it wrong? Now, are, are we sure that it's wrong, though? Or are we so infected in our thinking by Kinsey and his wickedness that what we're doing is we're, we're not so sure? Are we kind of sympathetic because we know people that are doing it? And we think it's, it's kind of okay. Now, what happens when you do something that God doesn't want you to do? Disobedience. What happens though? Fellowship is broken with God. That's the first thing. That's the most important thing, by the way. Fellowship is broken with God. Does God immediately step in and beat you up because you break <clears throat> what he told you to do? He doesn't. You know, he doesn't. That's not, that's not what he does. But what happens is, so often the judgment is part of the sin. As you commit the sin, and, and the judgment is there uh, for you. It's actually <clears throat> uh, part of it for you. So, you know, you've you got to understand that it's wrong because God says it's wrong. And then you've got to understand that judgment is built into it. Always. Let me ask you this. Put morality aside for one second. Can you commit any sin and get away with it? Can you? That's a hard question, isn't it? Okay. <clears throat> All sin has to be paid for. Jesus paid for your sin. How does it cost you, though, if you're a believer tonight? How does it cost you? It costs you in fellowship. <clears throat> fellowship is broken, and, and you need to repent and make that right. right. Simon. Yeah, if we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. If we, if we actually judge ourselves... Uh, we get the, you know, it's dealt with. Now, you could make a case, by the way, as far as morality is concerned, that because it's a different kind of sin than all the other sins, that there's actually a cost built into it, that you're sinning against yourself, that you're hurting yourself. And I think our society uh, as a whole are kind of hardened to that so that we don't really notice what it's cost us. Right? But what it does is uh, it, it catches us and hurts us in an area and, and we're caught there. Right? But there is forgiveness. And there is a restoration of relationship. But um, there's always a price tag uh, involved in sin. Okay, number three. There's only four, by the way, right? Uh, <clears throat> only a cosmic killjoy totally out of touch with today's culture and people's needs would prohibit all sex outside of marriage. You ever hear that kind of an idea? That's ridiculous. That's terrible. How can God expect people to live like that? I mean, that is just uh, such, a, such a killer teaching. I mean, it's out there at large. It's the reality of what people are thinking. It's one of the reasons that a modern generation would say no to God. 
because they want the freedom to do what they want to do. And it's the culture. And God seems to be just spoiling their fun. But the truth is God prohibits all immoral behavior outside of marriage because of his desire to protect you. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. There's always a price tag on sin. Look at Jeremiah. Who can quote Jeremiah 29.11 for me? <clears throat> and we quote... Well, somebody out loud somebody here, right? Sorry? Okay. Let's, let's look at it all. We'll, we'll read it together. Like Jeremiah For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What's God saying to you there? What, what, is, what are God's plans for your life, for my life? Well, He wants what's best for me. Okay, so when God puts a restriction in, does He put a restriction in for our good? Or to hurt us. It's always for our good. When God puts a restriction in my life, it's, it's the fireplace thing. It's, it's, it, it, it's put in there so that it won't hurt me. When God puts that restriction in, he puts it in for my good. Now, <clears throat> do you know that studies actually show that people have the best fun in this area inside of marriage? Do you know that? That's the reality. Now, the world would not have you believe that. The world would have you believe something entirely different. But that's not true. God is actually protecting something for us. So that when you see a young couple come and they're pure and they've, and they've given themselves to God and, and they come and they give themselves to each other, that's a pure, sweet thing. They get the best of it all. But when we actually take and play with this area, we do ourselves damage. Um, <clears throat> And that's universally true. So instead of God trying to kill my joy, what's God trying to do? He's trying to bless me. Eternally and in the here and now. Um, but, you know, you're fighting a hard battle in our day and age trying to get that message across because everybody thinks, you know what? <clears throat> um, God is just out to kill our joy. You can't be a Christian and have fun. No, you can be a Christian and have the best fun. The best life it's possible for a person to have is one that's lived walking in the Holy Spirit. That is the best life, the most fun, the most joy, the most blessing and the most satisfaction in life is for a person who walks with God. Alright, number four. Everyone needs to sow their wild oats and experiment sexually before they settle down in a long-term relationship. Right? <clears throat> Truth. Sexual sins have a uniquely devastating impact upon people's lives. It's a sin against yourself. We just read it. You're sinning against yourself. It, and it's unique in that sense. Every other sin uh, is outside a man, but this sin, he that commits fornication, sinneth against his own body. Now, <clears throat> what that means is, we have a generation out there that are hurting themselves. They're hurt, they're, it's costing them. 
they're actually hurting themselves because of the way we're li- they're living. Um, <clears throat> it's a sin whose roots are in spiritual rebellion and idolatry. Now, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 5 says that, but let me, let, let, me, let, let me catch your thoughts with this. So often what God does is God compares idolatry to immorality, to being unfaithful to him. Right? Now, in this area of our lives, what we've got is we've got something special. And when we go outside of it, we do ourselves damage, but it's also compared to idolatry and covetousness. And it's uniquely an area where once we go into it, we get drawn into it, we get sucked into it. And <clears throat> reading a story about a, a, a young guy today, and uh, he was a college kid, and <clears throat> he came, uh, he got saved, and Somebody asked him about his life, and he said this. He said he was so immoral during his uh, school years and his college years that he realized one day uh, the, the only place he could go from there was into perversion. That he had done so much as far as the normal was concerned that the only thing that drew him was perversion. And he ended up crying out to God, and God met him in it and saved him from it. But what he was doing is having the fun Kinsey said it was okay to have, that the world says it's okay to have, having all of that, he was actually destroying himself. He was doing himself damage. And we need to understand that what this thing does is it eats people alive and draws them away from God. One of the reasons we're finding it hard to reach people in our day and age is this area. You know, because what it does is it presents a barrier between them and God. When your sexual practice is opposed to what God says, you are worshipping yourself. It's idolatry. You're worshipping yourself. When you're doing against what God says, you end up worshipping yourself. Now, I said I had a question for you at the beginning. Why do you think the world went with all this? Why do you think the world went with what Kinsey said? It appealed to them. It appealed to the world. It appeals to the flesh. Do you think the enemy knows that in this area he's already, before he starts, he's got a hook in us? There's huge money in us. <laughs> There's huge money in us. He, he knows he's got a hook in us already. So the world bought into it because it appeals to the flesh. But all the devil's apples are worms. And what happens, this, this thing comes in, this thing came in, and it's affected our society right across the board. By the way, today... It's unquantifiable. I should say this about Kinsey. I told you about that guy, <clears throat> um, Harry May. Uh, he, he read Kinsey's book and he promptly left his wife and started the gay rights movement. Another guy that read um, Kinsey's work and was greatly helped with it was a guy called Hugh Hefner. Many of you know, know of Hugh Hefner? <laughs> right? <clears throat> Hugh Hefner, Playboy magazine. He read it. He quoted in the early copies of Playboy, he quoted extensively from Kinsey. Uh, he made a fortune out of it. And he began an industry that really, I mean, in our day and age, it, it, it's, in America, it's a bigger industry than all the sports they have. Their, um, their American football, their basketball, their baseball, their soccer, all of the sports they have combined do not equal the amount of money that pornography makes in America. And it's huge business. And the thing about it is today, nobody can really quantify what's going on as far as the Internet's concerned. Nobody knows. Um, they, they can make guesstimates, but they're saying 40% of young people are involved in internet pornography. 
I mean, it, it's huge. By the way, parents, you've got to watch your kids with it. You've got to watch your kids because uh, it is just so attractive. It is so easy to come by, and nobody knows. But what it does is, it's the same thing. You see, they may not be doing what they've seen, but it's destroying them. It's eating, eating their hearts out at the same time. It is so key that you watch your kids uh, as far as that's concerned, because if you don't, they will be destroyed. It's not something uh, that doesn't matter. It hits all of these things, God, you know, prohibitions God gives us. You know, pornography. Uh, even though it's not doing anything, people might say, it hits all those things, and it's going to destroy. And if you're involved in it, and by the way, in a room this size, there are people involved in it. Men and women, that's just the reality of life in our day and age. Uh, if you're involved in it, you need to get out of it. By God's grace, you need to be removed from it. Because if, if, if you don't get out of it, what happens is it'll eat your soul out. And what it does then in um, a marriage relationship is it just ruins a marriage relationship. Because, you know what? The wife knows there's unfaithfulness. She may not be able to put her finger on it, but she knows there's unfaithfulness going on here, and it's destroying it. And no real woman, no real person can match up to what you see in a glossy magazine. You know, all the tools that are available and so on. Nobody can do it. So, so what we're facing in our society is we're facing a genie that was let out of the bottle uh, 65 years ago with the Kinsey Report. Now today we're dealing with some of the consequences of it. Now, the Kinsey Report has been debunked, thoroughly debunked. But you know what? There's a huge number of people that won't accept that. There's, a, there's still a Kinsey Institute today uh, in Illinois. The Kinsey Institute is still there. It's in a college, and they're still keeping it going, and all the papers and so on that he's got there. And I have not told you half of the vileness that's involved in it. Right? But it's still in operation today and still spinning its lies. And we're living with the product of it uh, in our day and age. A couple of things we need to do. First of all, you need to be aware of this stuff. Understand, you know, when we're talking about Darwin and we're talking about humanism, we're not talking about academic subjects that are out there. They've impacted you. They've caught you. They, 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 they've caught your thinking at certain points. When we're talking about Kinsey, I guarantee you there's not a person in this room, you may not know his name, but there's not a person in this room that hasn't been affected uh, by, by Kinsey's teaching because it just changed everything. You, you went from a place where um, <clears throat> divorce in America was in, in, in um, <clears throat> single digits, and it went in five decades to over 50%. And Kinsey had a huge part in it. The figures that we looked at earlier... <clears throat> You know, about immorality. They weren't true then. When he, when, he, when he spun them out, they weren't true. But you know what? Some of them are true today. And it affects you and I. We've been caught with it. We've been, uh, we've been <clears throat> infected by it. And we've got to root it out of our thinking. We've got to think biblically. We've got to think God's way uh, to protect ourselves. Now, <clears throat> and then you've got to protect your family. And um, you can protect your family in this day and age. But the way you're going to protect your family is by them asking the Lord to do it in their lives. That's the only thing that's going to protect them in this day and age. Now, you should do everything you possibly can, but ultimately you've got to protect your family uh, in this, this day and age. And we've got to speak truth. The terrifying thing about our day and age is we're getting afraid to speak truth. 
We're getting afraid to say that's wrong. Because the world believes if it's okay for me and I'm not hurting anybody, it's fine. And we end up backing off and being afraid to say it. Well, what's happening is we're being muzzled, we're being silenced. And as we get muzzled and we get silenced, what's going to happen is it's going to get worse and worse. Right? Two, two things happen when you speak out. Yes, speaking always changes things, right? Even if it's only small. If there's no voice against, then what happens is, you know, everybody thinks it's okay, right? Um, if nobody is actually saying, all that it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. So if we speak, if we say something, we can have an impact. But the other thing is what happens is when you speak out, you strengthen yourself. And you're facing an onslaught, in our society, in media, you know, in, in the people you're dealing with, you're facing an onslaught. So what you need to do is you need to speak out against the onslaught or you just get sucked in with it. <clears throat> um, but we, need, we definitely need to do that. And any questions or comments on this tonight? I haven't asked you, to, asked you to, uh, many questions tonight, right? Didn't think you'd want to answer them, right? <laughs> any questions or comments on this? Yes, I know what you're talking about, right? Um, <clears throat> okay, first of all, forgiven, when we're forgiven, doesn't always remove the consequences of something. Do you understand that? You drink a bottle of whiskey a day for 40 years and you get saved and you have cirrhosis of the liver, you still have cirrhosis of the liver, right? You know, getting saved does not remove the consequences. It does mean the sin is forgiven. Now, I'm not comparing marriage to, uh, to, the, um, <clears throat> to the idea of cirrhosis of the liver, but, but here's the thing. When somebody gets married, it's always a commitment for life. Not really. Now, what's happened is, we live in a society that's changed the rules. By the way, Kinsey was a huge part in changing the rules on that. Where you don't have to stay married for life. Where you can get married and then you can just kind of, if it, you know, if, if it doesn't please you and you're not happy with it, you can step out of it again. And that has had a huge impact upon our society. So, marriage is sacred. And it's a lifetime commitment. And as, as such, it's binding. Now, are people going to divorce and remarry? They are. But biblically, you could never say it was the best thing for them. So that, that's the problem. That's the issue with it. You know, so, the, so the marriage is a... Um, <clears throat> either the covenant is real. And I realize, listen, I'm, I, I'm speaking. It's fine for me to stand up here tonight and speak. This is what the Bible says. But the absolutes have got to count for us. Now, I realize we live in a day and age when everybody's not going to do that. But if you remove the long-term commitment from marriage, then what do you have? What kind of a covenant is it? You know, so... Does that answer your question? Can 
<laughs> it, it answers your question but doesn't satisfy you. Okay. Well, let, let me ask you a question about marriage, right? Is marriage a human thing, a church thing, or a God thing? Okay. Okay, but primarily, it's a God thing. Right? Pardon? No, not everybody believes that. So, the, but the point I'm making is this, right? That <clears throat> Mrs. O and I, we were not saved when we got married, right? Now, <clears throat> but the reality is, God went to that wedding. That's that's the reality. You know, <clears throat> the, the the wedding is made in the eyes of God, and it, it's a God thing. You know, <clears throat> so so that we can't. The 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 Bible actually doesn't give you an out there at all, you know? Farina. Yeah. What you mean, yeah. I mean, some of these things are hard in our day and age. They're hard to work these things out in our day and age. But you know, what we've got to do is we've got to come back to absolutes and the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. That's where we've got to come to rest. Anybody else? Brina? God gives grace. Vincent, you were going to say something? Turn what? Good night. I can easily believe that because in America there's an Ambala party. It's a party of men that love boys. It's not, not a political party, but it's, a, it's an organization. And again, Kinsey gave it life because the way he approached everything, he made, he, he made it okay. And if you, even, even if you look at the interviews and so on, uh, of the people that worked with Kinsey, when they're asked about, he didn't believe in pedophilia. He didn't believe in abuse. I mean, this is, this is wickedness to the core, and a, a society that just is awash in it now. But he opened the doors for it and said, it's okay, it's fine. And understand that, that once homosexual marriage comes in, that's the next step. Right? Already, it's, not being, it's no longer a, a, a perversion. Already, what, what they're saying is, it's a psychological condition some people have. That's just the way it is for them. You know? <clears throat> I hope it's that I was in 
he was. He was actually in with Alistair Crowley. Uh, he spent a long time searching for Alistair Crowley's diaries because Crowley was Crowley was was blatantly obvious about. It, but he actually went and used um, <coughs> taxpayers' money from the states to go and try and find those diaries. But but the thing about it is, Alistair Crowley was considered to be dark, wicked, and evil. Kinsey was a hero, a scientific hero. So what the enemy couldn't do with an Alistair Crowley, he did uh, <clears throat> with Kinsey. Yeah, he, he, it just all came in with Kinsey, and we're living the fruits of it today. All right, okay, bottom line here, right? Listen, what the Bible says is, the Bible says is that sex inside of marriage is good, right, proper, and blessed of God, and to be enjoyed by all his children. And outside of marriage, it always carries judgment. So <clears throat> that's, that's our absolute truth in this whole thing. Now, if a Christian had bitten into that absolute truth and read Kinsey's book, he'd have said, this is rubbish. And it had gone on the fire. Right? <clears throat> but if you haven't got absolute truth as a bulwark in you, what happens is something like Kinsey comes in and works its way in and destroys you. And we are not just a generation now, several generations that are destroyed by what Kinsey put out there. So <clears throat> we, need to, we need to be careful. Our thinking is being bombarded all the time by teaching and doctrine that is foreign to Scripture. And we need to be a scriptural people that stand on the Scripture and have our absolutes nailed down there and live those absolute truths. All right. Okay, any other question? We're going to... And we'll take a prayer. Let's pray and then we'll take a prayer. Because Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for this evening. Thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, we do ask you, Lord, to bless us. Lord, we are a people that have lived in the world and lived in a, uh, a wicked society, Lord. And oh, Lord, many have been hurt and many have been torn down. Blessed Spirit of the living God, would you give hope to each one tonight? that in you they might find their all in all, that in you they might find their satisfaction. Lord, would you bless us that we might know that you are our God and that we can trust you to protect us, to watch over us, and to give us the very best wherever we find ourselves in life. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.